I'm going to ask you all to remain standing just for a moment. I want to read the word of God, and I just want us to be able to meditate on what he has to say. Our passage today is going to be Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 16. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his body for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we can trust it. Thank you that we know it is true and we can use it for every, every area of life. Father, I pray that you would open our ears, open our eyes, and open our minds to see, hear, and understand what you would have us see, hear, and understand today. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. All right. Yeah, give him praise. You can go ahead and be seated. You know, the title of my message today is Welcome to the Bodybuilding Challenge. Welcome to the bodybuilding challenge, because the moment you decided to follow Jesus, you became a bodybuilder. Did you know that? Every one of us in here is a bodybuilder. You're a bodybuilder. The person sitting with you is a builder. I'm cutting in and out here. I am a bodybuilder. And I know you're probably wondering, all right, David, this doesn't make any sense. If we're all a bunch of bodybuilders, why don't we look like bodybuilders? And that's a pretty fair question, I think. And I would say that most of us think of bodybuilding, we think of something like this. Right? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right? For those of you who may be living under a rock. This guy, he, he won the Mr. Olympia contest eight diff- or seven different times. That's pretty impressive, right? That's what most of us think of when we think of bodybuilding. What about this guy here? This is a guy named Ronnie Coleman. Yeah, go ahead and fix that for me, would you? Ronnie 
All right, are we there? Check, check, check. Check. Can you hear me? All right. Thank you, Jesus. Sorry, we're going to have some, uh, some fun tech stuff here. Um, but I, I want to, to say these are what we think of when we think of bodybuilders, right? This guy won the Mr. Olympia contest eight different times. And this dude's huge, right? It doesn't even look natural to me. But that is what we think of when we think of building a body, right? But when I say we are bodybuilders tonight, I'm talking about a different kind of body. I'm talking about a body that looks a little bit more like this. Yeah, it's a pretty good looking body, isn't it? I'm talking about us, the church, God's community. And the passage today that we're going to be looking at was written by the Apostle Paul uh, when he was in prison and he was uh, writing this to the city in Ephesus. And this whole entire letter is about this new community that was created through Christ when he died on that cross. And all throughout the letter of Ephesians, Paul compares uh, his church to many, many different things. He, he compares it to a masterpiece. He compares it to uh, that of an army, a family. He calls it God's new race or God's new humanity. He even calls it a mystery. But one of the things that he calls it is he calls it a body that can be built up. Yeah? Yes, this is a Mr. Potato Head. And yes, we're going to build him throughout this message. And just so you know, I learned this right here is literally named the Tater Tush. Just so you know. It's officially named that. Yeah. But he calls it a body that can be built up. And it's a great analogy, isn't it? Because the truth is, Christ is the head, we're the body. And it's made up of many, many different parts, isn't it? And we all have a purpose and a role to play in the body of Christ to help it function and make it grow. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you are a follower of Jesus, welcome to the Body Building Challenge. Because you have officially joined the program. It's not an optional program because that's a part of who we are in Christ as we are called to build up his body. So get ready for the greatest transformation of your life. You're not going to regret it because if we follow these six steps that we're going to look at through Paul's letter, we are going to see a healthier, stronger, and larger body than than any of us could really ever imagine. It's going to be a beautiful thing. So let me hear you say, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. So step number one in the bodybuilding challenge is learn to walk with good posture. Learn to walk with good posture. Have you ever noticed that everyone walks a little bit differently? Like some people walk with different speeds, different strides. My wife, for instance, she always walks as if she's on a mission to dismantle a bomb. No matter where we go, she is like way ahead of me. I get winded trying to keep up with her. And uh, it's not like her legs are any longer than me. She just walks fast. She walks differently than I do, right? We all walk differently. Some people walk with their head held high, their chest out. Some people walk kind of hunched over. Some people walk toes in. Some people walk toes out. Swing your arms. Some people with the staunch arms beside them. Right? Everyone walks a little differently. Maybe you walk on your tiptoes or you drag your feet. 
but we all walk differently. And it's interesting because they actually say that bad walking posture can actually cause aches and pains after you walk. So if you're not walking well, you can hurt yourself. (laughs) But on the flip side, it also says that good walking posture can relieve aches and pains when you're walking, and it can also give you energy. It also helps you breathe better, and it helps you engage your muscles a little better. Isn't that crazy? Something as simple as walking. And I say that because I want you to understand that good walking posture is important for the physical body. And Paul says it's good for the body of Christ as well. He says in Ephesians 4.1, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. In other words, don't just talk the talk. You need to walk the walk, right? right? If you say that you belong to Jesus, then live like you belong to Jesus. We all know that person who can talk a big game, right? They're always saying what they can do, but we also know that they're never going to back it up, right? They can talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, live a life that's worthy of who you are. The ESV translation actually says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. So the word walk and the word live, they, they go together and they both mean behavior. They're talking about the way that we behave as Christians. Paul's saying that we are to behave in a way that is worthy of being a child of God. A.K.A. live like you belong. Are you living like you belong tonight? I hope that you are. Verse 2 and 3 describes what this, this good walking posture looks like. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This is the description of what it looks like to have good walking posture. So we can ask ourselves, am I, am I humble and gentle, right? Or am I proud and, and brutal? Am I patient? Do I respond to people in love? You know, am, I, am I short-tempered with the people around me. These are the things that we should be asking ourselves because the body of Christ will not be built up if we are not walking in a manner that is worthy of it. It's very, very important. It really comes down to what Paul said in verse three. He said, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is what brings us peace and unity. Without the spirit, there is no peace or unity. And that brings the bond of peace through him. And we have to be intentional to keep that unity in what we do. We need to be peacemakers, basically, right? In fact, Jesus says that every kingdom divided against itself is gonna be ruined. So when we let division into our hearts, into our relationships, we are not walking by the Spirit because the Spirit brings peace, not division. And it's gonna hurt the body when we allow that to happen. That being said, if if you're in here today and, and you're harboring bitterness in your heart, You need to let God take that right now. Because bitterness is like a cancer to God's community. It is destructive. And it starts with the person who has it. Bitterness is gonna, it's gonna hurt you first. You're gonna start distancing yourself, right? I've seen it happen so many times. Someone gets hurt or offended by something and maybe it was a good reason, but the response should never be out of division. It should always be out of making peace. And we have to be very, very careful 
that we don't let those things hurt the body. Only you have the power to reconcile that, but it's going to take patience and gentleness through the spirit. And I know that hurt is a real thing, guys. I'm not saying that, that we, you know, we all have hurts from something or someone in our lives, right? But I also know that healing is a real thing. And God can take that bitterness right now if you will release it and let him have it. Because unity is where the body gets its strength. Now, step number two is know your own strength. Know your own strength. Do you know your own strength? Because your strength comes from unity with others. Did you know that? I am, I am stronger because I'm connected to you. And you are stronger because you're connected to me. Sorry about your luck, guys. But we are stronger together and the source of that strength is our unity in Christ. And Paul tells us that we share in seven different ways together in this body. Four through six, he says, there is only one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. When you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I know that's quite a mouthful, (laughs) but every believer shares in those seven things that Paul had just mentioned. And they are the strength of the body. That is what strengthens us. But there's a really cool thing that, that we see within those seven things. And it shows us the ultimate model of community. Did anybody else see it? Anybody see it? It's the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The very nature of God himself is community. It's who he is, Right? One God, three persons, community. God himself is community. We were not created for isolation, guys. Sorry, introverts, if that hurts your feelings. But we were created for community because we were created in the image of a communal God. And it's through that unity that we get our strength. All right, step number three is identify your abilities. Identify your abilities. Do you see the gifts that God has given you? Have you identified those spiritual gifts that you can use to help build up the body? I personally believe that this is something that every believer should spend some time doing as we mature, is find out what is our strength? What is our ability to help build the body, right? And I always say that the best way to find that out is give it a try. Jump in and give it a try. See what you're good at. See, see where your strengths are. This is one way that we can find where our gifts are. And the funny thing is sometimes the people around you, they're gonna see your gifts before you do even because they know what you love. They know what you're passionate about. They know what you're good at and what you're bad at, right? Sometimes we spend a lot of time on a spiritual gift that's, that's not really where we're called to be, right? And vice versa, So we need to be able to identify those gifts. Give it a try. Maybe you try something and it's not for you. That's okay. Try something else. Maybe you are gifted in children's ministry, but you've never, ever worked with kids. You got to give it a try. You got to jump in, right? Maybe you're meant to, I don't know, help us with setup and teardown. You have the gift of, of service. Give it a try. 
Maybe God's calling you to host a family circle because you have the gift of hospitality. See, these gifts that we are given, God gave them to every one of us. We all have one, and they are given to us to build up the body. Paul says in verse 11, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up. So God gives some people this gift of leadership, right? He calls them the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So these, these gifts of leadership are given in order to equip the rest of the body to build it up, to equip them to do the ministry, right? The pastor uses his gift of leadership so that he can help you use your gifts to continue. And the cycle goes like this. It's the God-ordained way to build the body. It's a beautiful model. The body needs your abilities. So don't just sit back. Try to identify them and help us build. Help us get going. We need your abilities because they are important. All right. Step number four is establish a goal. Establish your goal. Say what you want to do and go for it, right? Everyone knows that, that setting a goal, it gives us something to move towards, right? If you're trying to get your finances under control, then you're going to set some goals to do that. If you're trying to, to build a business or something like that, you're going to set some goals in order to help yourself get to where you need to be. Something to aim for or something that you can measure your progress, your progress by, right? And as bodybuilders, we've been given a goal. Check this out. We're supposed to use our gifts, he says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, and here it is, here's the goal, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The goal of the body of Christ, every one of us, individually and collectively, is that we should be more like Jesus. We need Christ-likeness church. Listen, grown men think and act a little bit differently than little boys do, right? Or at least they should. (laughs) Grown women think and act a little bit differently than little girls do, right? Why is that? Because as we grow and as we mature, it's a part of the life process. You grow and you mature. It's the way God created life to work. As we grow, we we should mature and leave our childish ways behind us. Have you ever met a grown adult who still acts like a child? Yeah. Don't look to the person next to you. No. No. Or you can go check your social media. You'll see it right there. But when we see a grown adult acting like a child, and I'm not talking about someone who's young at heart or someone who doesn't have the mental capacity to to mature. I'm talking about a grown adult who just never grew up, right? What do we do? We usually feel embarrassed for them, don't we? Ashamed, honestly, for them. Because really there's no excuse. You are supposed to mature as you grow. And I, I understand that sometimes this is due to, you know, circumstances and environment and upbringing. But a lot of times it's just laziness because people don't want to move from where they are. They don't want to mature. 
If I can be honest with you for a moment, as, as a pastor, one of the things that's extremely disheartening is to know someone who's been a Christian for a really, really long time, and it seems that they're still on the same spiritual level that they were when they first found Jesus. And the reason that's disheartening for me is healthy growth demands maturity. We have to mature as we grow. If you are growing, you should be maturing. We should be working toward our goal of being mature believers, being just like Jesus. So establish your goals. Now, the next step in the bodybuilding challenge, it's it's a more difficult one. It's actually probably the one that makes it the hardest, but it's also the one that gives the bodybuilder the most success when they heat it. And I hope you're ready for it. Step number five is stay consistent. Stay consistent. Keep building. Don't give up. Even when it doesn't make sense, keep building. Keep going. Don't give up. Stay consistent. That's the way the body will be built. How many times have you started a a new diet or, or a new exercise program and you make no progress because you didn't stay consistent? You don't have to raise your hand. But what, I mean, how many times, like you, you start really, really well for the first two days, right? And then the next day you're eating cookies saying, I'll burn this off when I do my workout tonight, right? We've all done that, but we do that over and over and we never make any progress and our goal gets further away than it was when we started because consistency is important. A lack of consistency is going to result in failure. It's just the way it works. The body needs consistency. Your physical body needs, and so does the body of Christ. Paul says in verse 14, he says, then we will no longer be infants, aka immature Christians, right? Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Listen, it's vital that we stay consistent to the truth. This right here is and always will be the ultimate truth. This is the word of God. And it always will be, no matter how we feel, right? It will always be the truth and we need to stay consistent to it. And we're living in times where people really don't want to believe absolute truth anymore, aren't we? It's getting difficult. People are, they're unsatisfied with ultimate truth. And they start believing whatever makes them feel good. Instead of being rooted in the word of God, they're, they're being carried away, tossed to and fro by deceitful schemes, by human philosophies. When I was growing up, one of my good friends, uh, he was raised in a Christian home. And uh, one day, just out of the blue, he tells me, you know what, man? I just don't think I believe in Jesus anymore. And, and I think that maybe the, the ways of Buddha are, are more loving and more peaceful. So I think I'm, I'm going to be a Buddhist. And he just kind of went down this, this road of jumping from one religion to another, one lifestyle to another. And he was reading up on all these different humanized philosophies. He was listening to podcasts and he was searching for something that would entertain his emotions and his human thinking. 
But one day out of the blue, I hadn't talked to him for years. He sends me this text and he says, David, I've done a lot of searching in my life and I've tried to find meaning in this life. He said, I've come to realize that without Jesus Christ, there is no meaning to this life. Yeah. Makes me want to cry when I read it because he knew life without Christ was empty. It's meaningless. Jesus is the meaning of life. And if he had stayed consistent in what he knew was true in the beginning, he wouldn't have wasted so much time in what he was called to do. We need to stay consistent, stay focused on Christ and the faith. A bodybuilder who isn't consistent gains no ground. And what that really comes down to is this word that a lot of us kind of dread. It's called commitment, right? Staying consistent, we gotta be committed, right? Is this a priority in my life? That's the question. Because if this is a priority in my life, then I have to refuse whatever else might come my way that would take that place, right? Commitment is not an easy thing. And it's interesting how in our American Christian culture, uh, we've kind of developed this this mindset uh, that it's okay to only make small commitments to the body of Christ because we need to keep our schedule open for things outside of God's community. That's That's our culture, isn't it? But really, that's not biblical thinking. That's not why Jesus died. Really, it should be, we should be hesitant to make commitments outside of the body of Christ because we know that that's going to fill up the space that we could have been using to help people find and follow Jesus. Commitment, I know it's a big deal. Some of us are all like tensing up already. But we need to know what is our priority in life. Are we committed to staying consistent? Because it's going to bring maturity and it builds the body. And this is where Paul, he brings it all together right here. He says in verse 16, from him, that's Christ, the head of the body, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. And here it is, as every part does its work. If you want to see the body of Christ being built up in love, then each part of the body needs to be working properly the way that God designed it to work. And that brings us to the sixth and final step in the bodybuilding challenge. Do your part. Do your part. This is where, this is where the rubber really meets the road, guys, right? And I want to ask you kind of a tough question here. Uh, but what are you doing for the body of Christ. And if everyone in this place did their part the same way that you do your part, would the body be being built up the way that God asked it to be built up? Even when I thought of that question, I felt convicted, right? The truth is, church is it's not a place of entertainment and good vibes, right? It can be but it's about participation in the community of the body of Christ. It's all about community and it always has been from the beginning. Community, and let's be honest, community, it it doesn't just exist on Sunday mornings or as today, Saturday evenings, right? Community lasts 
day in, day out, week in, week out. We need each other more than on a once a week basis. Because community looks a little more like togetherness often. (laughs) Jesus died for community, guys. He died for this community. He wants us to participate in it. We need to do our part. Or as Pastor John told us last week, we need to jump in. Jump in. We can go a little deeper when we do our part and when we jump in, right? So I want to give everyone an opportunity this evening uh, to do your part, to jump in. To help the body grow stronger, healthier, and, and larger. Raise your hand if you are in a family circle. Okay, those of you who raised your hands, you, you understand you've experienced a little piece of, of what true community looks like in the church, right? For those of you who don't know what a family circle is, a family circle is just basically groups of people throughout our church body who open up their homes and they eat together, they serve together, they grow together, and they do community together. And they do that all for the fact of doing biblical community the way Jesus asks us to do it. And the truth is, as this church grows, it's vital that every one of us finds a small community within the body who we can laugh with, right? Who we can cry with, who we can call when we get the good or the bad news. We need a family within the family because that's what God's community looks like. And I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking about people from all walks of life, guys. I'm talking young, old. I'm talking married, single, divorced, widowed, poor, rich, red, yellow, black, and white. All walks of life coming together and living in community the way that Christ designed his community to be. If you don't hear anything else that I say tonight, guys, please hear this. When Jesus died on that cross, he created a community bound together by something so much stronger than DNA. Yes, he did die for our sins, right? His death on the cross accomplished so much more than just individual forgiveness though. Through his blood, we are saved into the church. We are, we are adopted into his family and we are rescued into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's what Jesus died to create. And I personally, I would do anything for this community. I love God's community so much and I hope that you do too. So I'm gonna put out a challenge this evening. Starting August 8th, we are going to, that's five weeks away by the way, we are going to start a new six-week curriculum, video curriculum, for all of our family circles to go through together, to stay one mind, focus on one thing, and that's gonna be Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. We're gonna spend six weeks there, and we're gonna look at what the early church did in terms of community, what it looked like, and why we do what we do. And that's where you come in. We need people to open their homes and host a group for that six week period. 
All you have to do is show a little hospitality and hit play on the video and, and, and let God basically lead this community. We're not asking for theologians here. We're asking for regular people who love Jesus and love his people. We need you to open up your homes and allow God to move within the conversation, within those relationships. This is gonna foster a greater sense of community here at the gathering, and it'll be very powerful. So let me get practical just for a minute here. We are a church of approximately six to 800 people on any given Sunday, and that that number is increasing. But if we were to take those numbers, and if every single one of us in this church was involved in a family circle, then that means we need a minimum of 30 to 40 groups available for everyone to be involved. Or we'll just fill up two houses and it'll be two packed, right? So this could be a growth opportunity for some of you. This is gonna help build the body of Christ. If you wanna jump in, if you wanna do your part, this is an opportunity. I believe that family circles are going to be the base of our community here as we grow because it's easy to get lost in big crowds. And that's why Jesus designed it the way he did. We need small families within the family. So I wanna ask you a question. Will you take the challenge today of building up the body and opening up your home to help this body grow in community? Somebody's excited. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on out and we're gonna sing another song here in just a moment. But as you leave today, we're gonna have some volunteers outside those doors. Over here, my right, your left. And as you leave, they're gonna ask you if you'd be willing to sign up. And I hope that you will. And our goal today is to try and get 30 groups available for August 8th when we launch. And I'm I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit's gonna lay on your heart, hey, I can open up my home. It's not that hard. I can be hospitable for a couple of hours during the week. I know it's that, that dreaded commitment word, right? But it's such an important thing. And I hope that you will consider responding. And I'm, I'm believing that there's gonna be testimony after testimony because you said yes to what God is calling you to do. Yeah. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Holy Spirit, thank you for being in here today. Thank you for the energy in this place because we know you are here and you are stirring something within us. Father, I just pray that you would just continue to move our hearts. Speak to us, show us what you want us to do in terms of hosting a family circle. But not just that, God, but that we would ask you to give us a deeper sense of community in our lives and with the people around us. We love you, God, and we just ask for your blessing on this church, your blessing on all the people. In Jesus' name, amen.